Welcome to the Transforming Sales for Good podcast. I'm your host, Scott Roy. Scott Roy is a builder of sales organizations. He started out as a traditional door-to-door salesperson and ended up building a nationwide multi-billion dollar insurance company from scratch. He, quote, retired and went on to become the CEO of an international nonprofit training organization. He's now the co-founder and CEO of Whitten & Roy Partnership, a consulting firm that's completed projects in around 50 countries. Scott consults with a broad range of companies, from tiny social enterprises to some of the largest companies on the planet. He's co-written two international best-selling books, Decision Intelligence Selling and Sell Well, Do Good. Today, Scott's going to be interviewing Sam Richter. He's a Hall of Fame speaker and best-selling author and is considered to be one of the top authorities on sales intelligence and digital reputation management. Sam's been recognized as one of the world's top 50 sales keynote speakers, one of the 25 most influential sales leaders, and one of the 15 highest rated virtual presenters. Sam gives more than 100 keynotes every year and has been featured in USA Today, CNN, Forbes, and hundreds of other publications. Sam is also the creator of the Intel Engine family of custom search resources. Today is episode one of a three-part series, Sales Intelligence with Sam Richter. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. I was really excited to be with you and sharing a couple of ways that people may not have looked at selling and how it's really going to help them as we kind of come out of the craziness we've been in. Yeah, it's been crazy, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Two years of craziness. Well, Sam, why don't we start off with a really basic question? What is sales intelligence? Well, I think there's a lot of different definitions of that. There are some people that will tell you that sales intelligence is looking at your CRM data, looking at your order data. Obviously, that's part of it. What is the data? How can you gain intelligence? How people are buying from you? My mm-hmm. definition of sales intelligence goes a little bit further than that. Mm-hmm. My definition of sales intelligence, it's based on Dale Carnegie's work in the 1920s, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's that people are massively passionate about themselves. So if that's true, how do we gain intelligence on the other person? What do they care about? Because when we can understand what the other person cares about, their issues, goals, their industry, what's going on in their world, well, then we can align our solutions to what they care about. The essence of sales intelligence is how do you use the tools you use every day, like Google and social media, in ways that 99% of the planet has no clue how to do, to find that information so you can know what's important to the other person, which gives you permission to ask better questions. Well, that's today. I mean, I remember back many years ago when I started selling in the 1970s, -hmm. of course, we didn't have access to information like that. And so we had to do it much more manual ways. We had to depend a whole lot more on referrals, but now we've got this treasure trove of information that we can tap into in order to find this information that really personalizes the sales call and makes it really stand out from all of the sales calls that tend to come toward clients. That's really true. And what's amazing to me is the great salespeople in the 1950s, 60s, 70s understood their customers. And Mm -hmm. how did they do that? Well, they asked questions. Back then, your prospect might actually give you an hour or two hours for a meeting. You guys might go out to lunch together might go play golf so that you had the time to ask those questions. Today, we obviously aren't given the time. Sometimes we're given 20 minutes over a Zoom, sometimes even less than that. But it is crazy if you think about that prior to the internet, the best salespeople probably knew more about their prospects and their existing customers than the good salesperson does today. And that good salesperson today has access to every word ever written in human history they can get in five seconds on a mobile device, but yet we don't take the time to do our homework anymore. So in the world of information, sometimes we rely less on information than we did in the past. The engagement with customers hasn't changed 
changed so much. It still is that personal one-to-one contact, but the way that we can get information has changed quite dramatically. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about how you actually use these tools like Google to search for information? Yeah. How many of you Google your prospect prior to a meeting? Google your client prior to a meeting? Well, most of you are going to say, of course I do. And then what you do is you find their company website. You must do that because you have to understand what the other company does. What do they do for a living? But when you do that, you're really just looking at their marketing brochure. It's a little bit more elaborate than a trifold eight and a half by 11 brochure. When you look Mm -hmm. at somebody's marketing material, they're not going to tell you anything that they don't want you to know. So of Mm -hmm. course you should do that. But other tips, for example, one of the things you should do prior to every meeting is type in the company name. Now in Google, put it within quotation marks. When you put a company name, any proper noun, name of a person, company, job title, or phrase within quotation marks, you're telling Google that those words within quotes must be in that exact order. So you'll get Mm -hmm. better results. Now, the reason that's important is on every Google search result, you're going to see a button called news. Click on the news tab and find out what's going on in the other person's world. Now, if it's a large company, there's going to be a lot of news items. Mm -hmm. And so on the results page, click on the tools button right underneath the search bar. A little drop-down menu will appear that will allow you to sort your news results by date. Mm -hmm. So find the most recent news articles about something that's going on in the other person's world that they might care about. Little trick there too. On larger companies, publicly traded companies, there'll be a lot of articles about their stock performance. You can go back up and rerun your search and minus out words or remove words from your results. So for example, if I click on the news button and it's a bunch of articles about their stock performance, I'll go back up and do minus stock. Make sure the minus sign touches the S in stock. And then we can remove any result with the word stock in it. I also might do minus equity. You know, make sure that minus sign touches the E in equity. Do that a couple of times and all of a sudden you'll get to results about a new product launch, an award they've won, something you know the other person cares about. When you Mm -hmm. open up your conversation with something about the other person, you gain trust, you gain credibility, you show that you care. And as I like to say, it gives you permission to ask a more in-depth question. It's a lot Mm -hmm. easier to say, congratulations on your new product launch. How's that going? Versus if I go in and, hey, tell me what's going on in your company. Because when you say, tell me what's going on in your company, the buyer your prospect knows you're on a fishing expedition. Mm -hmm. But if you compliment them about something that you know they care about, it immediately shows that you care. And that wall that's always there between buyer and seller starts to crumble away. You know, it's interesting. I was listening in preparation for our time together today to a couple of other podcasts. And one of the things that you'd shared is the sensitivity around information as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you got to make sure that you use information in the right way. Number one, what you find online might be very inaccurate, especially on privately held companies. It could be you look up somebody's company and you find out how many employees they have, how much revenue they have. Oftentimes, even on the best databases, that's a pure guess. So you don't use information to state fact. So it's a little bit different. You know, we've all gone to school and we've been taught, do your homework, do your research. You're told that it has to be credible, objective information, and you have to cite it correctly. Well, it's a little bit different in sales. Yes, do your homework, get information, but assume the information is incorrect and instead use the information in the form of a question. For example, instead of saying, hey, I see that you guys have a thousand employees and do 400 million in revenue, you might say something like, I was doing a little homework and I'm sure as a privately held company, the best information I found is probably not accurate, but the best I could find is you've got about 400 employees, you're doing 500 million in revenue. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So you ask it in the form of a question. The other thing is you don't really want to come off as being a stalker, especially when you're going to cite something from someone's LinkedIn profile or a local newspaper. 
trade journal, maybe even their social media. So again, use it in the form of a question. So it might go something like this. Hey, Scott, before I meet with people, I like to do a little bit of homework. You're a busy person and I don't want to waste your time. I do that for two reasons. I, I want to let you know I did some homework. You're like, wow, the guy did his homework. That's interesting. I also want to let you know that I found something. So I might say, Scott, you know, before I meet with people, I like to do a little bit of homework. You're a busy person. I don't want to waste your time. Guess what I found? Well, when you say, guess Fine. what I found? Yeah. You, first <laughs> off, you get the other person's full attention, right? Yeah, what'd, yeah. You find? what'd you find? Yeah, right. Then you might say, you know, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. I saw that you went to this school or I saw that we used to work at this company. Hey, I've done business with that company before. Do you know right. so-and-so? Again, you're using it in the form of a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, it sounds like you just need to use good judgment as to what information you're going to share and the yeah. way that you share it. So you don't come off, as you say, like a stalker or that this person should be wary of you because really you're wanting to use it to establish credibility and to establish the fact that you're a serious player. You're not just... Yeah showing up on everybody's doorstep, hoping to make a sale, but that you're a pro, you know, and you're finding out some information so that you can find out, A, is this person really a prospect? Is this company a prospect? And then B, that I'm taking the time to find out about you because it's going to be important for me to know about you in order to serve your needs well. So it sounds like that's really just the fundamental of why this is so important, let alone helping you determine who you should be calling on. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, another thing, too, is just because you find the information doesn't necessarily mean you have to use it. There are often times mm. where I'll find information and maybe it's just not appropriate to share because it is a little stalkerish, but mm -hmm. I will use it to ask a better question. So let me give you mm. an example. Let's say I was looking up an executive and I found that they have a couple of dogs. Well, I'm not going to say, hey, you know, before I meet with people, I like to spy on their Facebook page and I see you've got a couple of dogs. That would be a little <laughs> bit weird. But there will be a point in time where that prospect will ask a question of me. Well, tell me a little bit about you, Sam. Now, normally I wouldn't tell somebody that I have a couple of dogs, but in this example, because I know they care about dogs, I might say something like, you know, I'm a professional speaker, I build technology resources, got a couple of kids, but I'm kind of an empty nester now. My daughter lives down in Miami. My son goes to college. So thankfully we've got a couple of dogs that, that fill up our time. I might say that if I know that you love dogs. Normally I probably wouldn't say that. Because I know that it's something you care about and we can connect on that personal level then. Just to go back a little bit in our conversation, you were mentioning some of the techniques of the search bar and how you put quotes. I've also heard you speak about putting a plus sign, for example, sure. between two names or between two words. And then, of course, the minus sign right up next to the E. These are all things that can be learned, but how easy are they to learn and how many variations of these sort of search commands are there? Well, the basics are pretty easy. The plus sign you really don't need to use. Google or any search engines automatically putting in the plus sign. Just go into Google, type in two words, and then look at the web address. And you'll notice that any search engine will automatically start adding those plus signs. So it's just a way to teach what's going on in the background. But then yeah. there's the minus sign. Again, attach a minus sign to a word. Any search result or search engine will remove that word from the search results. Or in all uppercase, a space before and after the or. So do I want directors or do I want managers? I'll type in OR. Now you got to use or in uppercase. Uh, otherwise, we'll get the word or in every result. Or in all uppercase tells us this or that. The minus sign, quotation marks, treats multiple words as a single entity. And then there's a lot of other ones that allow you to search for titles of web pages, web addresses of web pages. Most people don't need to do that. But there are a number of techniques like that. But just the basics, the minus sign, the quotes, 
and you'll get way better results. And then also knowing the, the websites to go to. So, you know, we just talked about Google News. There's a website that I guarantee you most of our listeners today have never heard of. It's called yougotthenews.com. And the reason I know nobody knows about it is because I built it and I don't really hey. tell anybody that it exists other than podcasts and my programs. But it goes a lot deeper than Google News. So it'll get local newspapers, trade journals, newspapers, social media posts, blog posts. It will look all sorts of things. So if you're looking at a big company, Google News is great. Smaller company or even researching an individual, you got the news might be a great source as well. So it's knowing how to search and where to search for the information. This kind of information that you're sharing is something that any kind of salesperson could use. I mean, even you've got somebody who's in the insurance business selling life insurance, for example, all the way up to the most senior executives in major corporations and knowing and having a finger on the pulse of news and news feeds and this kind of thing, where you can really use that information to be able to guide the precision of your sales calls. I think it's terrific. Most important part, I think, is what's called a sales trigger. So briefly, what a sales trigger is, is it's a disruption going on in someone else's world where they mm -hmm. might want to hear from you. An example I would use is if I call you right now and say, hi, Scott, this is Sam from Sam's Roofing Company. Can I give you a free estimate? You know, you're going to hang up on me, delete me. But if a huge hailstorm just hit your house and water starts dripping down the walls, now I call, hey, this is Sam from Sam's Roofing Company. Love to come out and give you a free estimate while I'm your new best friend. Mm -hmm. There are sales triggers like that for yeah. everybody listening today. Let's say you sell commercial insurance. Most insurance people would say, just give me a list of every CEO and CFO within 25 miles of my office. <laughs> you get 10,000 names, let's say. Well, that's fine. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't do that because you got to have numbers in your pipeline. What I am <laughs> suggesting is going into each week, you might want to have five, six, seven sales trigger events that you're calling on as well. What would right. those be if you're a commercial insurance salesperson? How mm -hmm. about anybody who announces they're going to be doing a construction or a remodeling project? Anybody who announces that they're going to be moving to your area? Anybody who announces a new CFO? Those are all disruption events where for a brief moment, one, two, three months, that individual, your buyer, might be very open to new creative solutions. If it's a new hire, a new CFO, we know that that person doesn't have a legacy vendor, and they want to show how smart they are. So if you can come in with new creative solutions, they'll listen. If obviously they're building a construction, remodeling project, well, their insurance needs have massively changed. It's a good time mm -hmm. to call them. Mm -hmm. Moving into the area, insurance needs have changed. Yeah. A company receives funding. That's a sales trigger. He's right. received $100 million. I guarantee you, whoever gave him the money, the venture capitalist, didn't say, go put this in an index mutual fund. They <laughs> told him to go spend it. The only question is who they're going to spend it with. Yeah. It might be you, but you never know if you don't ask. Yeah. So identifying those sales triggers, you can use these techniques to find how to do it. Using Google, very easy. The key here is think like the author. So for mm -hmm. example, if I was looking for funding activity, what would somebody put in an article or a press release or a social media post? Let's say I was looking for funding activity in manufacturing in Dallas. I do manufacturing plus Dallas, you don't have to use the plus, I'm just using that for an example, but manufacturing plus Dallas, maybe VC or mm -hmm. venture or venture capitalist, put that in quotes, or mm -hmm. IPO. And then what other words would be in that article? It might be words like announced, raising, mm -hmm. raised, finalizing, mm -hmm. finalized. Mm -hmm. Run your search. Now sort by date, because you're going to get a million results. That tools button, sort by date, look at 
last month, last week. And you'll find articles, press releases, social media posts start showing up who in manufacturing in Dallas have received funding. Mm-hmm. Now we can find those, read the article. It'll usually tell you who the decision maker is because they're not going to quote the intern in the article. They're going to quote the CEO or sure. the president. And now you know who to call and you right. have a reason to call. Obviously, these triggers aren't always negative triggers. As you mentioned, it could be funding or a serious issues arisen. One of the things that comes to mind as you were talking is one of our clients is in the IT business and into telephony. And they were running into a new regulation that was being put in place by the particular government of this particular country. And that all of a sudden was a trigger for anybody that touched that regulation. And so we advised our client to use that trigger in the initial approach as well as what are the potential costs involved if you are, are guilty of non-compliance within that time frame? So I can really see where the sales triggers, both positive and negative, can be found. Yeah, you know. negative ones are interesting because I'll ask people sometimes, I'll say, what's the easiest thing to sell? And a lot of salespeople will say, well, something that helps my prospect, my client make a lot of money. I'll say, that's true, but you know what's easier than that? Something that keeps your prospect or client out of jail. You send somebody a cold email and the subject line might say, important new regulations released in manufacturing, important compliance just announced for financial services. You're going to get a pretty darn high open rate. And if it's as simple as, hey, Scott, you may have seen that federal government just came out with its new compliance issues related to insurance agents. I'm making this up, by the way. There there are some coming out. I just don't know what they are. New compliance issues related to insurance agents. They're fairly complicated. I have spent the last month studying this. Would love to have a 15-minute conversation with you. Maybe I can share three or four bullet points that might help clarify and might make your compliance with this much easier. Again, I made that up off the top of my head. But isn't that a lot better email than, hi, my name is Sam. Uh, I've got a product I'd like to sell you. Right. Yeah. Well, I keep getting this in the last probably four or five months. I've been getting inundated from LinkedIn connections who are saying, look, you're a, you know, you're a consulting firm. We can help you find consulting prospects. And you know, it just drives me nuts. You know, I just want to delete, delete, delete. And, you know, here's the thing, though. I love it because there are so many people out there that are just annoying and doing it wrong that when you do it right, you stand out. Perfect example, right? I'm a best-selling author and I get an email through LinkedIn. And then within like 30 seconds, hi, Sam, as a professional speaker, have you ever thought about turning your intellectual property into a book? I'm like, come on, you didn't even look at my LinkedIn profile because it says best-selling author right in the headline or vice versa. Sam, as a best-selling author, have you ever thought of turning your book into a speech? I'm a (laughs) professional speech coach. Dude, I'm in the hall of fame. I know what I'm doing on speak. Now, the rare occasion where someone actually does their homework Hey, Sam, I read your most recent post about, I really enjoyed that comment on, hey, that podcast you did with Scott Roy, that was really cool. I especially like that you talked about these two things. I would love to have a conversation about this portion of it with you. It's not that hard. Most people don't take the time to do it. But again, getting get back to kind of where we started from, why is it that salespeople in the 1970s knew that kind of information before they walked in? And they were doing it at a time where if they needed to reach their prospect while they were on the road, they had to go into a glass booth and stick a dime into a metal machine to call them. And yet they had more homework and more information than many salespeople do today. I remember those days. <laughs> I know, unfortunately. <laughs> You know, oftentimes if you you have that color hair on the sides here. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oftentimes people talk about their CRMs and all their technical capability, which I think is terrific. You've got this information at hand and everything, but boy, back in the good old days, it was like a number two pencil and a yellow canary eight and a half by 14 inch pack. And that was it. You said the magic word CRM. What does the hmm. R in CRM stand for? Yeah, that's right. Relationship. Relationship. Yeah. But yet most companies don't use their CRM that way. They use their CRM to track buyer behavior, customer calls, how many people go to their website, who clicks on their emails, and they have all this data. And I'm not suggesting that data is not important. Of course it's important, but let's not forget the R part because all that data, frankly, is to the benefit of you, the company. So you can better target your messaging to the right people. That's all well and good, but we got to remember that it also needs to be about them. And that's the R part of CRM. What do we know about the other person? What do they care about? How do we make sure that we're aligning our solutions with what they care about? Because if you think about it, Scott, unless you're manipulating somebody, that's the only time that you can ever sell anything is when you're aligning your solutions with something you know the other person cares about. As we're winding down this part of the podcast, are there other resources that people should look for online more than, let's say, LinkedIn or Google? Are there other websites that you would recommend? Sure. There's a lot of subscription websites. The best information is, frankly, behind a username and password, for lack of a better term. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is outstanding. Zoom Info is outstanding. I built a number of tools. It's called the Intel Engine, and they're all customized for different industries and basically helps you automate finding sales triggers, finding decision makers. That's at I-N-T-E-L-N-G-I-N.com. So those sorts of pay-for resources. There are some free resources that are out there. So for example, obviously Facebook and Instagram, looking at somebody's social media profile. There are a number of people search ones out there. You got to be wary. Some of those the data is okay. That's again, why we don't use it to state facts. So true, truepeoplesearch.com might be a good one if you want to get information on someone's age, where they live, those sorts of things. There's a website called blackbookonline.info and they have a search engine. I don't like it, but if you scroll down to the bottom of that website, it's really what's called a directory engine, which okay. links you to all the publicly accessible documents in the United States. And it's going to differ by state, wow. city, county, but you can click on the state or you can click on the type of information you're looking for. And then a couple clicks in and you'll get to the place on that city, county, state website where you can access that information. Typically, when we're preparing for an initial meeting, it's looking at Google News, You Got the News, for sure, LinkedIn, potentially another website I created called You Got Research, and that has a lot of research reports. That's all we need for the initial meeting. But once we are a finalist for an account where in our buyer's mind, me and the other two are just as good and we're going to cost the same, that's where we might want to go a little bit deeper, find that information that we can bring up and differentiate ourselves from that competition. When you're making a first approach to a client, obviously we can see why this information is really important. But I'd almost think that even in a key account management situation where you know the client, yeah, that's even more important to stay on top of that information, I would think. What are your thoughts oh, about absolutely. that? Absolutely. I mean, even with existing clients, I never call them or email them without doing a new search. Because frankly, I'd be embarrassed if I called the person, <laughs> they just want employee of the year and I didn't say anything or their company just got bought and I didn't say anything, or their CEO just got fired and I didn't say anything. So, you know, that's a simple 15 seconds prior to the meeting, doing a news search on the company. Another one I recommend is looking at websites like Indeed or other job search websites Mm -hmm. and read the job posting of the company. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. the reason being is companies will put in their job posting a lot more information than they'd ever put on their website. If a company says they're looking to hire an engineer and it says must have experience with the widget 3000 machine, what does that tell you about the company? Mm -hmm. That they probably use the widget 3000 machine, right? They're yeah. not going to put that on their website or a news article. Must be fluent in Mandarin. Hmm, I wonder why. Must hmm. be fluent in Spanish. Hmm, wonder why. So hmm. you also might want to look at a company's job postings. Again, for the first meeting, probably not. But for a client account, like you said, an existing account, or you're a finalist for an account, those little pieces of detail, those pieces of information might be what differentiates you from your competition. Well, I guess for a younger salesperson you know, who may be not as experienced, it's learning about how much information is enough information and discerning, is this enough or do I need more? And of course, the opposite is going in cold without any information would be a ridiculous waste of time or at least a very low chance of conversion. Great point, Scott, because frankly, sometimes when you start these searching, it can be pretty fun. You can go down a rabbit hole and waste a lot of time. So I do recommend you time boxes. Well, you just say, hey, you know, before the meeting, all I'm looking for is one piece of information. Once you find it, stop. Okay. Because you're in sales, you're not a librarian. So once <laughs> you accomplish your goal, stop, yeah. move on. You know, and it might be just as simple as looking at someone's LinkedIn profile. You read their latest posts. You're like, that's really cool. That's what I'm going to talk about. Stop, move on. Sam, you're a fountain of information. I mean, every minute of what you've been saying and sharing is just incredibly valuable. I mean, just to take that personally back into our own business, we're a consulting firm and our consulting firm, we primarily just work on referrals, but we do find information. We do get information about our clients before we actually have our first meeting with them, et cetera. But you've just shared some great ideas that I'm looking forward to putting into practice in my own selling activity, in addition to the research that we already do. So Great. thanks so much for sharing that. Now, I know that people are going to want to find out where they can get more information on this. Can you share a little bit about that, about what resources you have available and sure. where people might be able to find it? Because you've written a best-selling book, Taking the Cold Out of Cold Calling, I think is the exact title. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could tell you to go rush out and buy the book. I wouldn't. Um, oh, okay. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> updated in a few years because I've been putting all of my efforts into my online search engines. And sure. So again, that's Intel, I-N-T-E-L-N-G. Yep. IN.com, my okay. website, Sam Richter, S A M R I C H T E R.com. But frankly, the easiest way to learn about me is Google me, right? Because if you couldn't find me via Google search, then don't listen to anything I have to say. <laughs> I, I kind of know the flip side of it as well. Right, so right. Type in Google, Sam Richter, and you'll find me. Great. Thanks so much, Sam. Yeah, thank you very much. Look forward to our next conversation.